This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. Hey there, I'm Casey Finey, host of Creative Control. We're taking a little break right now while we work on the next season of the podcast, but we'll be back soon with new conversations and stories about what's changing in the creator economy. So in the meantime, I want to share a conversation from Fast Company's Innovation Festival last fall. My colleague Yaz Gagne moderated the panel, Monetizing Your Brand in the Creator Economy, which featured Tracy Chan from SoundCloud, Amy Gon from OnlyFans, Ritu Khanna from Shopify, and entrepreneur and content creator, Jackie Ina. Enjoy. I'm Yaz Gagne. I'm an associate editor at Fast Company, um, working on our print edition. And I hate speaking for people, so I'm going to get <laughs> our panelists to introduce themselves. And Jackie, let's start with you. I talk a lot, so let's go. <laughs> oh, what is your... Introduce no. oh, your... <laughs> Hi, guys. Jackie, what's I'm... your deal? Yeah. Um, in addition to talking a lot, that's kind of my job. I'm a content creator, and I've been a content creator since 2009, so, like, literally one of the OGs. I'm also a brand co-founder, Forever Mood. It's a lifestyle and home fragrance brand, and it's kind of dope, so check us out. And I'm so excited to be here. Tracy, what about you? Hey, I'm Tracy Chan. I'm the Senior Vice President of Creator at SoundCloud. Um, I look after kind of the creator journey um, for musicians on SoundCloud from the first time you upload to the time you're ready to monetize your content on Spotify to the time you're ready to get your music out there on other music streaming services. Um, and I've kind of worked in the creator economy a lot of having had previous creator-centric roles at Twitch, um, Spotify, and YouTube. Hi, everyone. My name is Amrapali Ghan. I go by Amy for short. Um, it's great to be here. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of OnlyFans. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Ritu. I am the Managing Director for North America for Shopify. For those who don't know who Shopify is, we are a commerce platform that works with a lot of creators and brands um, to help them transact online, offline, through social and uh, and generally a really awesome platform. Before um, I get to questions, I have some audience questions for you all. Who here has watched one of Jackie's videos or content? All right. Who here <laughs> has used SoundCloud? Okay. Who here subscribes on OnlyFans? All right. All right. Period. <laughs> like, I think there's more, but yeah. they're just not raising their hands. Secret poll, secret poll. Yeah. So I'm getting we kind of have a room full of liars. But mm. <laughs> and who here has bought something through Shopify? Too much on my end. Too much. Um, so Jackie, I want to start with you. You're an OG content creator, as you said. You've been around, I mean, you've been around for longer, but you've been content creating since 2009. And you've managed to make it on YouTube. You have a popular Instagram channel. You've launched your own brand. How have you kept your audience engaged? But also, when did you decide you might be able to make money off of being a content creator? So my story is very unique, unlike a lot of creators, where most of the time people join now to just go straight into building a brand and becoming like a professional creator. That didn't exist in 2009. At least I must have been naive to it because I, I had no clue. I, ha I had not even like the forethought of even thinking that far ahead of like social media is going to be this. And I had no clue. I was literally bored, depressed, broke. And like just <laughs> I was going through it and I just needed a creative outlet. 
And it really wasn't until, like, honestly, you guys are going to be very shocked to hear this, like, year five, six, where I was like, okay, maybe I can one day quit my day job. But, like, that's very unique where I literally was not making livable money the first half a decade. Nobody does that, at least not today. You know, people, I'll get comments and they're like, oh my God, girl, I've been doing YouTube and I was, this is not taking off for me. And I'm like, okay, well, how long have you been doing it? And they're like, girl, it's month two. I'm like, <laughs> you're, I'm like, you're literally talking to somebody who didn't make livable income off of this for six years. So I think when I started, honestly, it kind of was like a happy accident of discovering like this is going to be a job for me. It just got to a point where like everything else was just not working out. Everything else was failing. Um, Some of you guys may or may not know I'm also a veteran. And so that part of my career was also coming to an end. And at the time that I joined the military, like I had different incentives than I did the eight years after. So I was like, well, this really isn't going anywhere for me. It's not really what I want to retire from. So nothing else is working out. I might as well do something with this YouTube social media thing. But I was like, But if I do it, I have to really go hard and have some type of strategy. Like, I have to put more thought into it. Whereas before, it wasn't really much of that. It was just kind of posting as I go. And so, yeah, it was year five for me when I started to really sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to have to come up with a plan. I have no clue what this plan is going to look like, but I have to do something. What was the first thing you did? This is going to sound weird, but what was the first thing you did to make money from your audience? So when I had my first ever, ever, ever viral video, that was when I was like, okay, I'm onto something. Mm -hmm. But actually it took a little bit of like, um, I guess like internal like ego checking because in this five, six years, I had to also ask myself, so why aren't you making any money? And it's been half a decade. Let's let's talk about that. (laughs) And so I had to literally like sit down and rewatch all my content. And I just came to the conclusion that it just wasn't that great. Like people obviously like something about me. So I was like, okay, there's something there, but we need to give them more. And I had to sit down, analyze, figure out what was working, what wasn't working, what I wanted to do more of, what I hated about my stuff and kind of capture that and then figure out what do I want to change? What do I want to improve? What do I want to make better? So that's really what I had to do. Mm -hmm. And I did that for like a year of just trying new things testing different types of content, testing different types of strategy, putting myself on a schedule, being consistent. And then that same year, I got my first viral video and I was like, okay, finally, I'm clearly doing something right. And then that's kind of how it started. Ritu, I want to ask you a question. At Shopify, you help creators sell products to their followers and you also help brands find the right brand partners. Tell me about what in your mind makes a good partnership and what advice you would give creators who are pretty established, you know, maybe where Jackie was, you know, your, your five of content creating, um, you know, when they're trying to figure out how to make money. Yeah. So we, we actually recently launched, um, a product that brings, um, both, both creators and merchants together. And so the, the objective of the product is, um, helping brands connect with with creators, um, and and in a way that um, allows them to experiment as well. And so, 
an advice, piece of advice that I would give uh, on both sides. I think because it's it's brands looking for creators, yeah. creative, creators looking to monetize. From a brand's perspective, it kind of talks about what Jackie just did here around experimentation as well. Often brands think that um, they need to align completely in 100% with, um, with the collaborator that is... Um, that is exactly like them, that, that has their voice. But what we're finding is the more that brands experiment with collaborators, um, the better it is. And the return on investment on micro creators has been just as good, if not better, than partnering with some of the, the very popular and large creators as well. That makes sense. Tracy, I, uh, I have a question for you. I want to talk about creator compensation. So beyond, going beyond brand partnerships, I'm thinking about artists who want to make money from their work. I know SoundCloud has a lot of features that help creators basically get paid directly for their music. Um, can you take me through kind of how those work and how, you know, artists can actually make money from their art? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think kind of first kind of taking a step back on how it works yeah. in the music industry in general. So when you subscribe to a music streaming service, whether it's Spotify, um, SoundCloud, Amazon Music or whatever, you pay a subscription fee. It's generally $9.99. What those companies do is they take all of that revenue, they pull it up, and then they say, okay, we've had X number of streams across the whole month, across the whole platform. You artists have had Y number of streams, so you get that proportion of that revenue. What that practically means is that, you know, really what happens is the superstars actually get all of the revenue in music today. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of weird, right? Because if you're a fan and you're listening to uh, an artist's music, say you like just, you know, you really love Tribal House or whatever it is, and you're kind of listening just most of your listening time trips there, your money is actually going to the biggest superstars in the world, which just literally kind of makes no sense. So at so, SoundCloud, we have a program called Fan Powered Royalties. So you were telling me basically BTS yeah. is getting all of our money. They get all of your <laughs> what you listen whether you listen to, to them or not. Yeah, yeah it's a good point. Um, so yeah, at SoundCloud, we have this program called Fan Powered Royalties, and it's exactly what it sounds like. So basically, we take your revenue as a listener and we give it to the artists that you listen to based on your listening behavior. So you don't need tens of millions of streams to make you know significant money. You just need a dedicated fan base, which was so inspiring. I'm sure you know Jackie, as you were figuring out like what type of content was resonating, it's all about resonating with your audience. Because, you know, similarly, you could pray to the algorithm gods, whether it's a YouTube or kind of music streaming service or whatever, and just kind of hope you break free. But I think it's what, what creators don't appreciate. It's, it's actually a lot of hard work. It's focusing on your audience, figuring out what really kind of resonates with them. And, you know, what we're trying to highlight in the music industry is this, how do we actually kind of help bridge that artist-to-fan relationship and actually help creators and artists get paid based on that relationship versus like, I have the most popular thing that I got on a playlist or I got really, really lucky, you know, on a sync or whatever it may be. It's all about the artist-to-fan relationship. And so we're going to continue to invest in those tools um, because we think it's just more fair that way um, when you're putting your heart and soul into your art and your fans, you should get compensated uh, as such. Amy, I, I saw you nodding, and, and my yes. next question was going to you, <laughs> which was, I'd love to hear about how OnlyFans thinks about compensating creators and what the commission structure looks like and how you think about all that. So OnlyFans is a completely creator-first business. Um, I didn't see a lot of hands up, but I know everyone here has likely heard of OnlyFans or has an idea <laughs> of what the platform is. 
We are a subscription-based social media platform for creators 18 and over to be able to monetize content uh, to their community of fans. And we give creators a safe platform where they can monetize content they're honestly sharing for free elsewhere and connect with their fans in a way that um, is very unique to the platform. They're able to monetize their DMs. They don't have the, the noise, the ads, the algorithms, the things that Tracy just alluded to that are happening on other platforms. OnlyFans is truly um, creator first in everything we do. It's a very straightforward, simple business model where the creator earns 80% of all earnings. Um, there's no nothing else hidden. It's a very uh, straightforward split, everything in favor of the creator as we are a creator first platform. And we wanna give creators that power um, to have true freedom of expression and share their content and connect with their fans. If you send a creator a DM on another platform, they're probably not gonna see it because they're getting lost in bots, spam, things of that sort. Whereas on OnlyFans, you actually see messages from your fans and are able to engage, respond to them, um, again, without all of that noise. And it's been, you know, the platform's continuing on a great growth trajectory. We have over 2 million creators. And to me, that's over 2 million small businesses um, on OnlyFans of creators that have been able to have a safe place to express themselves. Tracy, I, I want to come back to you and talk about how creators can kind of choose the right platform for their work. SoundCloud actually takes kind of an interesting approach because you help artists get on the radio, mm -hmm. you help them get on Spotify. Tell me more about that and tell me how you think about that. Yeah, I, I think a lot of what Amy said just really resonated, right? Because it's all about just connecting with your audience. It's not about locking you into a specific platform because in today's creator world, you have to think about all of the platforms mm -hmm. and really just figure out like, what do you want to get out of each of them? Whether it's purchasing something that you've created, whether it's you know monetizing your DMs, whether it's the content in and of itself, different platforms kind of have different strengths. And it really kind of, you know, it's important that you as a creator think about where am I in my journey? Am I trying to grow my audience? Am I trying to monetize my fan base? Am I trying to just connect with the existing fan base that I already have? And different platforms have different ways to kind of um, uh, accentuate or kind of highlight those, those different needs that creators have. So on SoundCloud, you know, we kind of are very, very proud that, you know, most artists in the world actually have a SoundCloud account because it's one of the easiest ways that you can get to your, your music to your fans instantly. If you wanted to get it to another platform, generally you have to go through a third party distributor, pay a fee, you wait for them to kind of do some reviews and then you know, 30 days later or whatever it is, it gets on, on the platform. And we live in a real time world, like that's kind of crazy when you think about it in today's world. So you know, first and foremost, you can upload, get your content in front of your fans, get immediate feedback and it's not this whole you know, oh my gosh, is it perfect? Is the hook right? Is, you know, are the lyrics right? That sort of thing. It's a, hey, fans, this is me. You know, this is my kind of creation. I want the feedback. And we have things like comments where you can actually get feedback from your fans. You can send private links, that sort of thing. Um, and then to your point, Yaz, once you're kind of confident and ready to release, that's when we kind of help you take that additional step um, through our distribution service where you can actually get your music on Spotify, Apple Music, and over 100 storefronts across the world. Um, we want to kind of help you across the journey. Um, but again, at the end of the day, it's all about cultivating your fans. 
Like, because your fans will live across different platforms and they'll interact with you in different ways. And the more you invest in that fan base, the more they'll travel with you to Shopify to go buy something. If you're just kind of, a, I'm gonna guess, like if you open a Shopify store and you're like, I should be famous and you haven't invested in your fans, probably not gonna do that well, which is probably why, you know, the quote unquote micro creators, like they have real fans, they know them by name. I'm guessing the best OnlyFans creators like interact directly with your fans because at the end of the day, you know, we always talk about creators, you know, they want fans, they want fans, they want their fans to know their stories. Fans want to know, they want to be known by their favorite creators. Like think about the last time you went to a concert, you probably dressed cute because you probably thought the artist might see you, right? <laughs> like literally that is the human emotion. It's all about human connection, which I think kind of is the next frontier of what creators and social really, really is. And, you know, companies like OnlyFans, Shopify, um, and creators like Jackie are just really like pushing the forefront because, you know, at the end of the day, platforms kind of come and go. Your fans, if you do it right, they'll come with you kind of wherever you choose to go next. Tracy, that comment hits so close to home. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Um, but Ritu, I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about reaching an audience. Um, to your mind, what are some of the best creator and brand partnerships that you've seen? And why did they work so well? So one of the, the great creators that we have is Jackie right here. When you think about <laughs> uh, her, her starting out when she did, and she is a Shopify merchant, so we had to call Jackie out here. Um, you know, starting off as a, as a creator um, and then getting to a point where she, she monetized her, her uh, life's work at that point and then getting into a brand and starting a Shopify store, I think that's a, a really, really great example of a creator who's gotten to a point of monetization and uh, one that, that is doing very well. Um, you, you know, and I think one of the really interesting ones as well is like you see a lot of um, major stars like, um, like Pharrell Williams is on Shopify with, with his lifestyle brand. And again, a very, very uh, large brand for us as well. Jackie, I, I want to ask you the opposite question, um, which is what are, what are some examples, if you can name names, of brand partnerships that, that haven't totally worked? And if you don't want to name names, that's fine. But like, why don't they work? So I've actually been really fortunate the people who, the brands that come and, and approach me to work with me, like, they kind of come correct. They know what time it is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. Like, I only want to work with brands that resonate with me. And if it's not mutually beneficial, then, like, what's the point? However, you know, the industry is small. And, like, I talk with my friends, my colleagues, my peers. And as it pertains to brand partnerships, like, when you post on yeah. platforms like Instagram or TikTok or whatever, there's that side of it. And then there's collaborations. I just think the really, really good ones or the bad ones, I should say, are when you can just tell the brand is like, we just kind of need you to like do what we want. Like, we yeah. don't really care about your opinion. Like, <laughs> OK, that's a great idea. Do that with somebody else. We don't care. And it's kind of like, I mean, if you're coming to the creator, you obviously came to them for a reason. Mm -hmm. We're not just dollar signs. We have a voice. Like, there's a reason why our audience comes to us. So... I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, other people, that's their business. <laughs> I'm not going to jeopardize the trust that I have with my audience for a partnership that's too restrictive or 
it's very clear that the brand is maybe looking for like a cash grab or a money yeah. grab, especially when it comes to black creators. It's very obvious, you know, nobody likes feeling tokenized. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you just get kind of that, Ugh, this is weird, this is sticky. Yeah. It's like, it's going to be a no for me, dog. And <laughs> like, it's just very like, that's, that's cool. Like just, you know, give someone else the opportunity because if it doesn't resonate, then I'm not going to jeopardize my audience. Tracy, you touched on this before. Um, and we had an interesting conversation about this last week. Um, and it was about your time at Twitch. You sort of mentioned that streamers who had fewer, but more committed fans ultimately did super well, or just as well as streamers who had tons of fans. Tell me more about that. Tell me why that is. Yeah, so I was at Twitch before I came to SoundCloud, um, where I led music for a couple of years. And I think the, the premise of Twitch in and of itself was, you know, you think of it as a video gaming company, people play video games and kind of interact over chat. But at its core, it is literally just creators and fans together. And so when I came there, you know, it was with the backdrop of, you know, music creators want two things. One, they want to get to know who their audience is. And two, there's no money in streaming. Like <laughs> artists are not making money and it is really, really, really sad. And so what was super, super special about Twitch was it actually solved those two problems. First, it kind of connected you directly with your favorite artists. Um, and those artists got to know those fans by name. And because they got to know those fans by name, those fans supported them through subscriptions, through ad revenue, through um, uh, what we called cheers, which was virtual currency donations, things like that. Um, what was super, super interesting is, is who was making money. So um, traditionally, if you're kind of a signed artist in the music industry, in order to get $50,000 net, you need somewhere between 50 to 100 million music streams. On Twitch, it was 183 fans. That's how many people you needed to watch you. Which, when I first saw that, it was like, this is, that's not real. That is, that's <laughs> fake. Like, what's going on? And what you see is like, it is actually real. Again, going back to what Amy said about just like monetizing the things that you're already doing, what fans are paying for, and this was the light bulb moment for me, what fans are paying for is it's not the content, it's not the music, it's the relationship and it's the acknowledgement from someone that they really, really love and care about. And you see it kind of on Twitch where, you know, people are throwing, you know, donations. They're giving $100, $1,000, $5,000 at a time. And this doesn't happen in music. Like, can you think about a way you, where you could give your favorite artist $1,000? You literally can't do it. But on Twitch, it was possible. And, you know, to me, that's what's super, super exciting about this new forefront of the creator economy is, is again, the more you lean into your fans, the more you build the tools to help them connect in kind of authentic and safe ways, then the more that they will be there to support you. And it, it, it's proving to be not only just kind of a superior monetization model, but it creates more opportunity for more and more and more creators. Because you could try to get 80 million streams, or you could try to get 183 fans, which is more accessible. It's all about investing in your audience, um, and it could be really, really rewarding. I feel like I, I real time just watched you convince Jackie to join the Twitch. Right. Amy, I saw you nodding through part of that, and I'm curious is this a trend you've seen on OnlyFans as well? Or, you know, how are successful creators kind of attracting that audience, and what, what size are you looking at? 
So creators are bringing in their fans from other platforms, and that's where it's really someone's top fans who are making that extra effort to subscribe on OnlyFans. Um, again, that's where those fans, because they're emotionally bought in, they're there for that added layer of connection, and they're also there because they don't want to see the ads, they don't want to see the brand deals, they want that connection with the creator directly. And that's where OnlyFans has truly become a leader in the creator economy. Um, and it was, to me, before its time, we launched in 2016, or if you look at the market then, it's very much heavy influencer space, heavy brand deals, paid sponsorships, paid posts, things like that. But look at what happened in 2020. That's where everyone picked up their phone. They were all creators. And that's really what has pushed the creator economy to go from influencer to creator, because that's very important in knowing that creators have that freedom. People realize their fans are there because they want the creator. They don't want to see all of the noise and things that are elsewhere. And OnlyFans has, there's a range of creators who do very well. They have large, large followings, hundreds and thousands of subscribers. There's some that have, you know, a few hundred subscribers, but again, it's that connection. And it's really across the board. There's no, I get asked all the time, like, oh, what are the best practices? It's really post regularly, engage with your community. Um, and that's really the key to success. I think that's the key to success on most platforms. But OnlyFans gives you that extra layer where you're able to monetize through content, through messaging in a way you can't elsewhere. So I'm going to ask you each a version of the same question. And then after that, we'll take some audience questions. So put your thinking caps on. Um, <laughs> Jackie, I'm going to start with you. Say I'm an aspiring YouTube content creator. Um, what advice would you give me? I have a small following. What advice would you give me to start making money? Hmm. Well... Don't expect to quit your day job immediately. <laughs> I think that's the most obvious. This is not the type of career you get into for instant gratification. That's the first thing. I think the, because I mean, there's so much, there's so many different ways you can answer this question. I think the one thing I would tell people to focus on is like focus on stuff that you like doing, mm -hmm. period. Just start creating content that you actually like doing and be consistent. And consistency for some creators could look like three months and then it takes off. For some, it could look like five, six years, and then it takes off. So whatever that is for you, like for me, makeup was just easy because it's like I would do that offline anyway. So yeah. it was like a no-brainer. But for other people, maybe they want to do something that is more niche or more specific to something. Figure out what that is and just really, I know it sounds so textbook cliche, <laughs> but like, honestly, how the hell else are you going to be good at something if you do it for two seconds and then you're like, all right, I'm over it. I mean, re like realistically, like there's no benefit from that at all. So really find something that you like and also something that other people can connect with and mm -hmm. just kind of go with that and be consistent. Put, put in the work. Put in the work. <laughs> and, and a little bit of strategy because a little bit of yes. strategy does make a difference too. Tracy, I'm a rapper. Um, <laughs> drop the SoundCloud link. I'm a rapper who just started out and uh, I want to drop my demos on SoundCloud. How would you encourage me to use the platform and how would you encourage me to start making money from it? Yeah, so back to what Jackie said, just like make music for you and your fans. Don't try to make it for the masses. You have to be true to yourself because everyone can kind of see through when you're trying to do something that is inauthentic or trying to game an algorithm or whatever it may be. Start with kind of what you're awesome at and what makes you kind of different. 
The second thing I would say is, is then like engage that audience. Engage that audience in very public ways where whether it's comments in SoundCloud, responding to them, whether it's you know uh, engaging with your audience on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, OnlyFans, wherever it may be. Um, because the thing is, is that other potential fans will see it and they'll engage with you too. Mm -hmm. It's not about just kind of the one-on-one -on -one kind of interactions. It's about you know your fans understanding that you're investing just as much into them as they're investing into you. And you know, I think that that starts the audience growth because you can think about just musicians in general who has the long-term careers. It's the ones who have those hardcore fans who will go travel with you, you know, city by city and city. But it starts with it starts small. It starts with kind of passion. It starts with finding your tribe, um, and then growing from there. So engage, engage, engage. Amy, I'm. Um... I'm an OnlyFans person, <laughs> and, and I've come to you to say, how can I grow my audience and how can I start making more money? What are the best practices here? Um, so I would say, similar to what's been said, very much engage with your uh, community, engage with your fans, create content. Um, also, I guess this is kind of a plug, but I would I encourage creators to um, submit content to our streaming platform and app, OFTV, which is um, available only exclusively to OnlyFans creators to submit content to. And that's where you can have your own show, develop it, and also it becomes this incredible marketing tool because it's uh, widely available on Apple, Android, all the app stores, smart TVs, um, where we found that creators who are featured across OFTV tend to see an uptick in subscribers on their OnlyFans. Again, it's them finding something that they're personally passionate about, interested in, and able to speak on. Um, and then fans will want to pay to subscribe to them, pay to see content that they can't see elsewhere, pay to send them messages. And that's something that, you know, it's exciting for creators who are up and coming to find a way that they can express themselves they can connect with a community and create a community. And ultimately, it's up to they feel that excitement and empowerment. Ritu, I'm, I've got last question for you. I think you know what's coming. And then we're going to audience questions. It wasn't the same question because I had a great it's, answer. I, it's, the same, it's the same question, effectively. I want to make money using Shopify, and I'm a content creator. What, yeah. what do you tell people? I think there's a couple of things. So, you know, the, the passion aspect is, is really important, but I think a customization is also important. So knowing your, your audience. And so, you know, if you're a creator that's posting on, um, on Instagram, as an example, when you notice the content on Instagram, it is far more polished. It is, um, you know, created for Instagram. It's more static. Um, and, and so if you're that type of creator, but now you want to you wanna go to TikTok, that's more raw content. People expect different things from different platforms. And so while that element of passion is really important, you have to really understand what the platform is. So if you go into TikTok with this incredibly polished content, well, that, that might not really work for you as a creator. Um, the second part of it is, is monetization, right? And, and that's, the, that's the key here. And, and the reality is, I think the, the stat I had was um, the creator economy generates about $100 billion in, in business today, but only 4% of creators actually make a living off of, off of being, um, you know, full-time creators. Um, and so, you know, our job as an organization is, is connecting and being able to get 
a creator from creating the things that they love to being able to monetize it and then also connecting the millions of brands that we have on the platform to creators because for brands, it's really, really expensive now to attract new customers. Um, and so how do we do that and how do creators um, sort of and, and brands come together on our platform. And so there's things like um, Shopify Collabs that I talked about that we launched recently, which really allows a, from a creator perspective to go in and search um, you know, a bunch of brands and apply to be um, a creator that could connect with that brand and for brands to search for creators. And once that connection happens, um, what, what brands can do is, is use another product by Shopify Shopify called Link Pop, which makes commerce really, really easy. So you take your Link Pop link, you put it in your in your social profiles, and you can actually have up to 200 products on there from a brand. The brand controls um, basically what that looks like, and it makes it uh, so, so seamless to buy. And for the creator, they get a percentage of that, that product sale. And if you're a creator who's also just doing your own products, the same concept applies. So there's lots of monetization opportunities available. It's not just, you know, going out there, putting content out, and then hoping something happens. I think taking it into your own hands and using products like these can, can be really helpful. All right. Well, this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Let's do a round of applause. Thanks.